0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. You may notice one thing that uh, I have changed the positioning of my mic because I got told my nose sounds were aggressive. They are. I so, told you that
1: on like January
0: 2nd. You did. And so I've been trying. Did to did you listen, listen to, to Seth. I listened to you. Who did you I, listen to? I listened to you, but then also and? I listened to Tanya. We're coming hot oh. out the gate, everyone. Sean right just Bang. right after oh. him. Right That's after just... him. Yeah. So, well, no, this thing is he did tell me about it. The problem is, due to the fact that I have hearing issues, I can't hear it. Dude, so, it sounds way better now already. This uh this I'm glad it sounds better. I was talking to Seb yesterday and he was said it sounded better and I wasn't so um
1: so it was Super Cyan magical girl who cracked yes. it out of the
0: park. What the yeah. heck? Yeah, is that all it takes? Hey Tanya, yes. thank you. Yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes that's all it takes, and there it is, Steve. What's up, brother? You so, good to see you. Um, uh, So yes, that's why this whole thing has changed, and also I do apologize about the switch, last minute switch on the uh, Rockstar poster. Tony will be joining us, but it'll be next Tuesday. I made that mistake, but uh, Steve is scheduled. To be I like here, Steve so. better anyway. Yeah, good to go. <laughs> um, While I'm making all kinds of mistakes, you shouldn't make a mistake. Definitely hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff, and make sure if you have any thoughts or comments, put them in our comment section. We read them and we put them up for us to discuss. So hit us up when you get the opportunity. Any thoughts, questions? Actually, before we do anything, Jake, we have not had you on here before. Give us a little rundown of who you are, where you come from, that good stuff, and then we'll dive into the convo. Awesome. So my name is Jake Doan. Most
2: people call me coach. Um, I'm a strength conditioning coach and personal trainer. I have been for almost 15 years. Uh, I've worked with uh, university uh, basketball players, hockey players, and um, professional basketball players, and rugby players. World round, I've lived in the UK and spent some time overseas and coaching rugby. And I lived in Wales for a time and finished my education there. Uh, I'm originally from Ontario, but live in uh, Langley, BC now.
0: i um, glad I'm, you made it out of Ontario life.
2: Yeah, sure. I made it out. Uh, I kind of got in touch with all of you through such, um, mm-hmm. who Sean is very close with. I've heard to, way too many legends about Sean Taylor. Mostly lies. Mo- probably. Um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, b- basically, you know, athletic sports are my are my life. Um, and uh, I live to kind of assist other athletes now and uh, just being the best athlete they can be. And uh, my company is uh, Show Muscle, Go Muscle.
0: I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here. This is going to be awesome a little bit more add on. on. It doesn't I gotta, look like you have I, an
1: app name. What's
0: app? Ooh, oh, fascinating. So We've got so another The robots guest. are taking over. Wow.
1: <laughs> so, so the there is a, I think there is just one more piece to add to that, if you don't mind, uh, Jake. And that is, uh, and I'm not overly familiar with your entire backstory, but I do know that because today we are going to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably not a bad idea to establish where like your own personal journey to some degree on your struggles or not? I'm not suggesting get into mega detail, but just establish what your thoughts on uh, mental health at a overarching high level
2: for sure. Uh, So Sean brings up a good point. Um, So I am a victim of a very uh, kind of vicious assault. I was assaulted by a group of individuals which left me with occipital neuralgia Which is a chronic pain disorder uh, of the neck uh, which leaves you with basically some level of pain throughout the day um it's just varying degrees depending on stimulus to my body so training or or even just being vertical for long periods of times can inflame those nerves and uh, i could have more pain i was also blinded in my right eye and uh left with dealing with PTSD and anxiety uh, and, you know, mental health struggles because of this attack. And I think I, you know, it's been 10 10 plus years now since that occurred and I've come a long way in my recovery. So I have a lot of, uh, I was telling Big Bird earlier about uh, just having a different perspective than a lot of people have with dealing with struggles, and and enduring and getting through them. Um, so I'm I'm happy to like open it up to you guys now, and we can talk about our subject. But that's where a lot of my insights kind of come from. So,
1: and the reason that I wanted to uh, ask you to add that in, I is because there's a important distinction for people out there who are struggling with mental health, and it's, it's predominantly between their ears. They have no, we'll call it, you know, you're not missing an arm. So there's no yeah. evident uh, issue physically. Yeah. It's mostly mental, and I'm not suggesting ever for a second that one is worse than the other. But what you are facing, Jake, is to some degree, some mental health issues, however big or small they are, but you have the constant physical reminder of, to some degree, some sort of pain that never goes away and always acts as, oh, I've got this, for lack of a better term. So yeah. I just want to draw that distinction out for folks out there who have mental health struggles and then mental health and physical health struggles
0: uh, in conjunction. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the difficulty of consistent pain of uh, chronic pain is it. It's a multiplier for all of the negative thoughts and negative stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, a reminder. Tough, it's, it's good, yeah. I mean, not only is it a negative,
1: it's just a, it's a constant reminder. Whether it's negative or positive, like just scrub that right out of the entire conversation. That's a good point. It yeah. doesn't really matter to some yeah. degree. It as to this point. It's just a constant reminder. And I'm thinking of our guest yesterday, Mark Ormrod. Mm -hmm. His constant reminder is looking down at no legs and and a missing arm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a constant reminder. Whether he feels pain or whether he this, that, or the other thing, the fact remains that it is a constant reminder of all the other things that he is working through on his day-to-day. So... Just an important reminder that there are various degrees of mental health challenges and there are associated physical reminders to those mental health challenges, perhaps.
0: Well, 100%. Um, now, as Sean said, and as we've alluded to before, this whole month we are going to be talking about men's mental health and different facets thereof. Over the next um, two weeks and change, 17, 18 days, we're going to, I have some specifics actual um items that we're going to hit and we're going to talk about some actionable stuff but today i really wanted to hit on something very important um that sean brought up earlier in his live chat but before we do that steve did you have anything to add on um so far what we've talked about in chronic pain difficulties that kind of stuff
3: Uh, yeah i've had uh, uh 19 surgeries on my body and uh i gotta go overseas and work here uh Uh, next month and then when I get back I'm getting my 20th surgery Mm, surgeries in one year back to back to back I mean I like one after another so uh when Jake was talking about uh chronic pain it's a thing it's a thing Mm -hmm. where's mine down enough so uh but what I think the thing that helps me is uh, one family right or something to do to get because when you sit static uh there's a lot of weight being pushed down on you if you're moving and you're preoccupying your brain with some other task or doing something or talking to somebody it kind of pushes that to the side it comes back at night but you're not sitting there all day thinking about it
0: um, yeah. yeah yeah 100 it's a it chronic pain is a hard one man that is a uh serious challenge and it actually it goes into my topic unless you guys have something else that you wanted to specifically talk about other than sense of purpose other than sense of purpose (laughs) (laughs) so my sense of purpose comes to coming up with this topic and we were discussing this a little while ago the phalanx the phalanx for those that don't know is a military structure designed not structure but it is a formation uh, designed to hold a line and every man along that front line and the rows in behind protect each other from harm while assisting the person next to you to uh, assault the enemy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's made famous in the movie 300 with the Spartan shields and the phalanx line and all that good stuff, but it was used on a number of accounts throughout history. It was a really, really powerful tip of the spear uh type formation because it requires a lot of drilling a lot of training but on top of that a lot of trust and belief in the system (laughs) which gives you a sense of purpose which is what i kind of want why i want to talk about it because as you were talking earlier sean the thing that really clicked in my head was a line from the movie which is accurate and it says uh every man depends on the person to his left to cover him from knee to neck. Period. And what I really liked about that was that you're not completely dependent on the other person, first off, right? He's covering most of you, but not all of you. So you still have to be able to defend yourself. You got to be able to see, you got to be able to attack, you got to be able to do all these other things. But the sense of, purpose that you gain from the knowledge that someone has the unprotected portions of your body, the the ability to work harder, um, be stronger, go farther, do more for that next person next to you is, I think, what drives a lot of purpose. You were saying about um, Normandy, people coming up on the beaches and that were the guys in the. In the boats, headed to the beaches, thinking about, we're going to destroy Nazism. Maybe. But more than likely, they were thinking about this guy right here. And the fact that I'm going to cover him and he's going to cover me. And that guy right there. And this guy right here. And everybody was thinking that, which gave everybody a sense of forward purpose. If that makes sense. that a pretty solid allegory so far? Sure. I'd say. So... That's why I want to talk about the phalanx, and we can use it as an allegory for men's mental health. In that, we really, in nowadays, with the ability to communicate that we have, we need to start covering each other from knee to neck. What do you guys think? I think that, um, I think
1: that that's a great idea. And where it all falls apart is when the guy, if not the guy to your left or right, is when you think the guy to your left and right aren't doing their job to protect you to some degree. Mm. So you can you can 100% commit to the mission or to hold your role in the phalanx. You can be all in. You can be amazing at it. But the corrosive nature of doubt in respect to oh, I don't know if that guy's really squared away enough to watch my back or he's got my got my knee to my neck. I don't know if dot 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 the corrosiveness of uh, abilities or feeling that someone can look after you when you need to be looked after is kind of uh, an interesting facet of mental health. So when you get with a team, whatever team that is, if you align with them and you feel that you're really doing your part to improve your mental health, but the team around you is kind of call it half-assing it well how how does that feel within your little phalanx where you're not sure if someone actually is going to do their job for you as you do your full best to proceed forward in your mental health journey so to me it's you can do your level best but you've got to feel no doubt Mm -hmm. that the system Mm -hmm. around you has your back
2: And I think like developing uh, a strong support system in your life, uh, it should be like one of the most important facets. It's a huge part of my coaching is seeking out people to coach that have good support systems behind them. You're more likely to be successful if you have a, a wife that supports your journey, a husband that supports your journey. And, people in your life that are like, yeah, you need to lose weight for health reasons or people that are going to support that your your point on the person beside you having doubt and it being corrosive on it immediately was the first thing I thought, because if you're looking at the person left to you and you're you're thinking, I wonder if this guy's feeling the same way I'm feeling, you're already not focused on the task at hand. Mm -hmm. And it starts to muddy the water of of the real objective right
0: i like that steve you got any thoughts
3: Uh, i just think it's a very foundational type of thinking where one you uh, you need support to get through certain things in life right and also you need to protect yourself and and help yourself so Mm. one can't rely on the other 100 percent. so both of them come into play and kind of your analogy that you're using with the phalanx is uh just that in life too like when you're uh depressed or something like that someone can try to sit there and try to help you and get you moving but if you don't want it you're not going to do it so you you have to you have to do, uh, dive in and help yourself mm. i like that yeah i um you know, the um to
1: the amphibious landing vehicles or vessels <clears throat> using d-day as the example of, as what i was referring to this morning in my live ig chat If you imagine yourself in a amphibious landing vessel and you've got another 30 men around you, we'll say as the example, as you stand in the center of that boat waiting for that ramp to drop, if it's silent, every man is all in their own head, hoping that every other man around them is thinking the same thing. Like, let's go do this. I've got your back. Let's go crush. Let's go destroy Nazis or whatever's going through everyone's head at the time. All the way through to i'm not gonna go this is this is too much i'm just gonna stay here i'm gonna sit down when everyone goes out so there's lots and lots and lots of things going on in silence Mm -hmm. in that boat but what will sort out the boat is if someone whether they're standing in the middle of the boat or at the front by the ramp or at the back it doesn't matter who it is where they're standing as long as the right guy says something along these lines boys we got this or however they say it <clears throat> it's an opportunity for a leader to state times are tough and we're going to go crush now there's i'm simplifying of course their crude words to put across the point that in silence and hoping that everyone's communally minded that's just not the right approach Someone has to speak up in those silent moments. And then usually what happens is the guy on the other side of the boat looks over and says, hell yeah, that's right. That's what we are going to do. And through that momentum, all of a sudden that silent boat is turned into guys who are committed, focused, universally aligned, and they're going to go kick some ass. Now, however it plays out, once that ramp drops, that's for a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains that in silence on that boat, it's not going to become more positive. But with talk, it will become more positive. Okay, so That's a
3: great point. Have you yep. been to Normandy, John? Pardon me? Have you been to Normandy?
1: Yeah, funnily enough, uh, this morning, uh, because it was uh, it's the D-Day invasion, uh, today's 79th anniversary, when I saw that this morning, and to your point, I'd gone through social media, and I saw lots of posts from all kinds of government institutions stating, D-Day invasion, remember D-Day. And I saw 10, 20 of these things, and I thought, what? This is so sterile. It's photos of guys sterilely getting out of the front of an amphibious uh, landing vessel, and it's almost like a poster of nothing nowadays. There's no emotion attached to it. There's no story attached to it. There's no... So I I looked at the problem. I call it a problem. I looked at the puzzle this morning, and I thought, this is not on. I'm tired of this. Why did we go? Why were we there? Why were those men in that boat? Why did they go once that ramp dropped? And it was all about to defeat evil. It was all about to put down Nazism. So my post this morning... Uh, with chat GPT in my own little brain, I typed out some things about why. And it was a photo, 10 photos of me with uh, my two sons last summer at Normandy in Cayenne. The opening image is of a castle, the Cayenne Castle. And it's yeah. idyllic. You wouldn't know if it was taken in the 1400s, yeah. the 1900s, or the 2200s. You just wouldn't know. It's just this almost Monty Python-esque castle with some gorgeous sort of dry wheat grass in the front. It's, it's a magnificent photo. And if you looked at it as the only photo, it would be idyllic, except at that point in history that I was capturing in respect to the museum that we toured through that day, uh, it, it was the center of evil. So how you interpret an image is for us to interpret until words are put to it and the words that i put to those 10 images was this why were we there we were there to destroy evil and no one should ever forget that in respect to your own mental health as well if you're in the silence in the vessel and and you're not talking to yourself and asking you why why how why where when all of those things if you're just silent in a boat it's not it's not a great place to be so Yes, I have been there, and yes, I did post about it this morning because I think it's important that everyone not just read about a dusty history paragraph. They should try to go live as much of it as they can.
3: 100%. We took the girls there last year, and I remember standing, oh, fantastic. On, yeah, I standing on Point to the Hawk, looking out, and kind of, kind of going with what you're talking about is like sitting in that boat, and I'm putting myself in that landing craft, and I'm like, I could only imagine what was going through their head knowing and start taking fire. When you get closer to the beach and you can see the uh, machine guns, uh, the turrets up top and stuff like that. And it's just like the bombardment. And it's just like, Holy crap. I mean, that's, that's the commitment,
1: the commitment.
3: It was amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was, you said, it was very important for my girls to see that.
1: Yeah. I, it, we were a month in Europe and it was the only thing I wanted to do in Europe was to ensure that my boys with me stood yep. on that dirt yep. so that I could explain to them service. Yep.
2: What you're talking about Sean is developing perceptions of, of things you understand that other people don't as well. Like a lot of the stuff in the news today is they don't care about developing a perception, whether it's good or bad, they just care about attention, right? check Um, that box check the box but what you care about is developing the perception of of, what's reality what what does this day mean to veterans like yourself that have gone through that it's you you have a developed perception of of war that's far beyond like my understanding i could i right now when you guys are talking about being in that boat and wondering about those feelings i can't even like begin to feel what you're feeling, Steve. Like
1: it's, it's just not there for me, but I think developing. Well, it is, it is now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is now. And that's the purpose of these kind of conversations is you don't, you weren't in Cayenne with my boys and I, but you, you now have been to some degree Mm -hmm. and it's because you took the time to listen. You imagined, you considered all of that good stuff Mm -hmm. and you have kind of been there now, more so than you were 30 minutes ago. Absolutely. And that's the importance of these kind of conversations. I'm not asking anyone to stand in my shoes and be me. And I'm not asking anyone to stand in Steve's shoes and be him. I'm just asking everyone to listen to what we have to say over here and think about things from your own perspective and see if it changes your mind on some things from time to time. Like men's mental health. Mm-hmm. If, if your only idea of what men's mental health is, is a glib statement of it's men's mental health month in June and check that box. Wonder what July will bring. I, I'm not interested in that. And that's why we're into some meat and potatoes uh, over here every day.
0: You bring up a, an interesting point that kind of clicked in my head there, Sean, was the fact that <clears throat> there's the old statement, a, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? But what I don't think is uh, exhibited enough or at least understood enough is that those thousand words are going to be different for everybody looking at that picture. They sure are. Until someone takes the time to actually write it out so that it is understood consistently across the board. And that's where the writing portion comes in, is that in order to get this, the actual idea across of what it is you're trying to say, the picture only does so much. Right, you can take a picture of a castle, and it can just look like a castle. Like, oh wow, that's a nice castle. And somebody might decide to take a little closer look and realize that there's bullet holes in that castle. And then somebody might go, oh, oh wait a second, I recognize that castle. That's in con. Maybe I should, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that is a again, as you said uh, earlier, Jake is it's a developed opinion. Yeah. Right. That it, it takes time to develop that. Whereas what you're doing, Sean, with those photos was you're making sure that that is understood that like anybody that reads that and looks at those pictures is going to think about it. At least I hope they would. But
1: yeah, well is, the trick is I suppose, and and I'm, I'm calling myself out. And if anyone's listening to this, hopefully you'll pay attention to why I'm calling myself out. As I wrote this, uh, as I wrote it this morning, I was struggling to write it because I was trying to determine how much I shape the narrative and how much i leave it open to interpretation. So the images that i put up, i didn't dive deeply into them. The written portion that i wrote is is not so fine pointed that there's no other conclusion. It's open enough for people to interpret the images and interpret the the written form. So that it's i don't want to say it's now on them, but it kind of is on them to determine where they go from there. So I didn't say there's only left or there's only right. I just wrote. Mm -hmm. And I wrote in a fashion that leaves it open for people to consider things a bit more deeply rather than me drawing the conclusion for them. It's not easy. I mean, I don't even feel like I did a good job. And so, but, but that's important that we try to do a good job and we try to put these kind of thoughts out there. So that if only one person in a hundred thinks about it a little more
0: deeply, then, well, we're one person further ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I do want to get back into uh, the concept of the phalanx here, but I do want to hit some of these comments real quick, just so I don't forget about them. But uh, Winterstorm, good morning, all. Thank you for stepping up for the hard talk and real answers. Absolutely our pleasure. Uh space, what's up? Good to see you. Jasa, good afternoon, everyone. Taylor M, hit the like for algorithm folks. <laughs> Sachin and a good morning, team. Morning, good to Sach. see you, everybody. <clears throat> so it the conversation that we, you know, we've just been going on as again, it clicks little things in the back of my mind of the different little pieces of it. And I was I was picturing the Uh, the landing craft from Normandy as a type of phalanx in and of itself, right? And you're you're talking about a boat with 40 guys around you. And that's that's one thing. That's one contained... um,
1: uh, They're all sitting in a shield.
0: They're all sitting in a shield, exactly. Now, you're going to be able to look over the top of the other boats and you're going to see other boats get hit You're going to see other boats topple. You're going to see people jump out. You're going to see all kinds of things, but there's going to be so many that continually advancing forward that you're going to be able to take in a similar manner to what Sean was saying earlier, where you have the one leader step up and go, we got this. And you're going to see that continual forward. We're going to keep We're going to take that. And then we're going to take that. And then we're going to take that. And it's this, this drive forward. But I think it's, Just the fact that you can see other people struggling in a similar fashion. Now, Normandy is an extreme case of that, right? Like, that when you're talking about struggle, that is probably one of the most epic struggles we can think of. You're fighting inland, uphill against a well entrenched armed enemy. That's probably the hardest fight you're ever going to have. But that fight begets a little bit easier when you have another 40 guys 10 yards down the beach and another 40 guys 10 yards down the beach and you got another 40 guys 20 yards behind you that are going to be landing in about two seconds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And similar to the phalanx pe- portion is that your spears are out in front of you for a reason, right? You have to be able to attack the enemy, not on your shields, but just out in front of your shields. And so when we're talking about men's mental health and we're talking about people that are you know, working together to move forward it's not that anybody is going to be protecting you or taking care of you so much as we're in the same fight and i'm going to do my best to take the enemy in front of me and i'm going to keep my shield here for as long as i possibly can i expect the people to do the same beside me but i don't i guess maybe hold it against them if they start to falter because i know what struggle they're going through if that makes any sense
1: It does. I'll use the landing vessel as uh, maybe an example here. When you're on the amphibious landing vessel, you've got no choice. You're on it. The only other choice you've got is to jump over the edge. Yeah. Because you're committed. You. It's out of your control. That's kind of like mental health, man. Mm -hmm. It's not all under your control. It. It. You'll get hit from the side, and you won't even know how or why that happened. If your mental health starts struggling, well, kind of to some degree, that's the trajectory, man. And it ain't changing. So you've got to get right with the moment on, my only option is to face this head-on. Or, or what What other option do you have in that vessel? Yeah. Back face it head-on.
0: Yeah.
1: And the difference between that moment, uh, using your example, it doesn't play out in modern mental health. Because in that moment, it was full steam ahead and that's it. That's all. But today, it's I don't have to face it. It's not full steam ahead. It's not I've got to face the horrors or the evil or get better or fight uphill or take that objective. It's none of that. It's shrug your shoulders and maybe just sit back down. Or worse yet, shrug your shoulders and walk deeper into it. So it's I don't think that they're the same thing. I understand your comparison between the phalanx and and D-Day invasion and all of that good stuff. It's fantastic except when it's a single man who's in the mm-hmm. hurt locker in his house in the dark wondering what to do, there's no phalanx and further to that he doesn't have to go ahead.
0: Hmm. Steve or Jake got any thoughts on that?
3: uh you're right absolutely uh on the landing boat you you know there's no option to leave there is absolutely zero option when you're by yourself in the room there's an option to do many things you can turn around leave you can go further in you can end it all uh it's because of that static mind and um you know I I learned through my chronic pain and the stuff that I have been through and I, I think I'm just normal like everybody else I think I have normal aches and pains um but my biggest goal now is to work with my girls to make sure that they don't have uh, the hardships that I have. So injuries and to keep their mental mindset, right? So they compete and that can wear an individual down just being in the zone constantly. And so they're in the gym right now in our garage, uh, working out. And so I, I think Jake, uh, I think you might understand this where you get clients that come in, they're preoccupied by lifting, uh, they induce felt fatigue on the muscles, which gets them tired, which makes you not want to go home and, you know, and think more because you're worried about your sore muscles. And I tell you, felt fatigue on the muscles is, a, is the best, uh, for sleep apnea, man. You just want to go to sleep to recover, but it mm-hmm. gives the mind and the body when they work together, when you're lifting and working out to they're occupying, you're occupying a space where you would rather just sit and just either drink or take pills and just sit and watch TV and be non-productive. So that's the initial part of where I say that self-initiation you, the individual has to want to help themselves because I can tell you right now, the phone, any one of us and call someone that would be like, yeah, man, come on over. Let's, let's go do that. But someone will take care of you. Somebody will. The hard part is some people have a hard time asking for help. Because they feel like it, because they're weaker or whatnot. But I think we've moved past so many bound or, I guess, uh, indicators where we think that someone's weak when they're asking for help. That there's more people asking for help. Mm-hmm. But um, I look at mental health. You well, know, uh, I look at mental health as a personal growth, but a supportive growth. So it's there's there's two uh, variables working together to make something happen. And so like like Jack jake in his gym and helping someone helping a client they don't he doesn't really maybe not realize it but why he's teaching them how to do a lift right he's also helping their mental health i mean they're in there listening to him and then that way they can reach out to him and you just build that connection
2: yeah Yeah, societal norms have definitely changed a lot over the last little while uh, pertaining to men's mental health i feel like it's way more accepting to have four gentlemen in a room talking about their mental health issues, where I feel like five years ago there would be a negative stigma towards this. We would be a bunch of sissies, um, kind of thing about Which is about
1: hilarious, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's straight up hilarious. Yeah. I mean, no one no one ever has called me a sissy, ever. No,
0: or live tell hilarious. the at least. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's hilarious that. Five years ago, I think I think you have kind of nailed it, uh, Jake. It, yeah. it was about five years ago that someone might have thought that they wanted to call me a sissy about mm-hmm. doing these kind of things. It's hilarious. I mean, it couldn't be any further from the truth, and yet somehow there's a weird little stereotype going on out there five years ago that this was not cool to some degree. Mm-hmm. And any, anytime you're like – I think of like sports,
2: athletics, warfare – everything's about winning and overcoming something so why is why is mental health something not celebrated to like overcome like right. everything else in the world it it should be a, a thing that we're like oh man you overcame your mental health struggles struggles awesome like you get to be celebrated for that mm-hmm. just like battling anything else um so yeah i don't i've never i've never dealt with stuff like that where people, I think I was ahead of the curve talking about things. But there was definitely a point in time, I remember in my recovery, where I didn't want to talk about things with people. I felt vulnerable because of my situation. But that was a perception I developed myself. It, it was thru- maybe thrust upon me by society. But I developed that perception that you know, maybe maybe I don't want to be a burden on people if I tell them. You know, Mm -hmm. meanwhile, there's five people, you know, in my family that are willing to listen and hear. So uh, it's a lot of getting past your own hang ups. And everybody has different uh, kind of boundaries set in place because their own family life, like how their father treated or mother treated you, like everyone has different things put in place to protect them from themselves, like but you got a lot of people just have to get over that first hurdle of just accepting being
0: open to having a conversation. That's a big part of it. Just <clears throat> being open enough to have the, to have that conversation is uh, it's a, that is one of the biggest uh, hurdles right off the bat. But um, we, we have some great comments and a question here that I wanted to get across. Um, Tanya, thanks for coming. And thank you for fixing my mic and my nasal breathing issues as Sean, like say earlier, um, says, context is key. Societal conventions resulting in returning uh, in returning many soldiers refusing to speak about the horrors they face is a monumental loss for us. Understandable, but still a, a lost chance to learn. I think that's a great point. The, as a society, or not even just as a society, I think as a, even as a globe, after World War II, there was a, almost across the board, like it was so horrible. Okay, everybody, let's just move on. Right. They, they didn't, nobody wanted to take the time to go, Oh, okay. Let's sort through the ashes and figure out what all the problems are. Right. It was just shut up, put your body into work and go. And unfortunately it led down the realm of alcoholism, abuse, uh, self defamation, all kinds of really bad, bad stuff that happened after the war. Um, and unfortunately, as you alluded to earlier, Sean, that was like a person ago, right? There are still living people that fought there that have barely begun to speak about it. So it wasn't that long ago. Well, it's not something that we can say, oh, 400 years ago, it was so long ago that we don't, <laughs> we can't uh, empathize with the society anymore. And I think that's where it stems in terms of uh, this next question, um, is that societally, everybody just like whoop, Nope, we're not talking about it. You're muted there, Sean. Yeah, sorry.
1: Uh, Hang on a sec before you punch forward to the next comment or whatever. Why? Why did they uh,
0: refuse to speak? From my experience, from people I've talked to, knowledge. Nobody knew that that was an actual issue, and a lot of it was because no one was talking to each other. Why? Why weren't
1: they talking is my point.
0: Well, again, this is just from uh, it's anecdotal because I've only talked to a number of a uh, few World War II veterans. But what they say is they just didn't want to deal with it. Right? They the memories were too bad. Um, people wouldn't understand, the, the, and that's the big one I get a lot. Not only from old veterans, but from newer veterans as well. Nobody understands. I'm not going to tell stories about Afghanistan or I'm not going to tell stories about Korea or the Balkans or wherever because nobody understands.
1: Yeah, no one understands mag changes. No one understands the order of battle when you come under effective enemy fire, etc. But no one needs to. Exactly. Like my neighbor doesn't need to know anything about mag changes. How many rounds are in a magazine? He doesn't know. He doesn't care. But you know what he can do is relate as a human And maybe better than most other soldiers who want to talk about MAG changes. Yeah. And so I, the reason I'm being very pointed about this on uh, refusing to speak, maybe they did refuse to speak because that was the norm. Mm Because guys like maybe me, as an example, allowed it to be normalized that you don't speak. Or maybe guys like me normalized that the conversation tomorrow is going to be all about MAG changes. But that's not what I'm interested in. If someone wants to talk about mag changes, that's for an entirely different podcast. What we're trying to do over here, I believe, is go a little bit deeper, not worry about mag changes, but talk about the issues that every single man faces, every single human faces, irrespective of soldier or not. And so the, the, the message that I would prefer to have currently is... There's no need to refuse to speak because we're all openly talking about these things, irrespective of mag changes. We're getting to the deeper meat and potatoes of these subjects.
0: Yeah, hundred
3: percent. Steve
0: or Jake, you got anything to add on that? Uh,
3: I would say that it, it doesn't affect every veteran the same, uh, people can walk this life with, uh, they can compartmentalize things and carry on. My grandfather was in world war II. Uh, again he never spoke about it until his last year of death um he had a lot of nazi memorabilia swords and he he told my father <clears throat> how many guys he had killed and um the he was never a drunk he loved my grandmother he had a good life it was just I, you can only assume why he didn't say anything but i can't tell with any 100 certainty why he didn't uh, maybe he just never felt the need He never talked to my dad about it or any of his sons up until the like the last year of his death. And it was them asking about it, It wasn't him openly telling them. But he lived a good life. And uh there was no super hardships. But I will say this, he was very active. He was constantly doing stuff, uh, going places. And I I just think that steady, consistent movement helps refresh the brain and it makes the body feel healthy. It's like working out. I think all of my clients that I speak to, all of them, if they're not currently in a gym, I get them to join a gym. Mm-hmm. 100%. That is the best thing for mental and physical ability. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I would just say just because I don't think it affects all, all of them, but mm-hmm. most all of them that I have talked to, that is the weird thing about it. They just never talked about it. Where now, if we look at the current wars, right, we close out, we're still doing conflicts everywhere. It's openly discussed and OK to discuss about it. Right. So that's that that whole barrier went down where people feel free and open to come and talk about their stuff that they need to, because uh, some people can house it in and live a good life. They can mm-hmm. Some people cannot. Yeah. That's, and
1: and, you and so you, you talked about his maybe not his sense of purpose, but his sense of uh, what kept him focused. And that would be physical activity or. Uh, some such thing, but do you think that there was a, a deeper sense of purpose for him other than physical activity and staying busy and, and et cetera, et cetera? Was there something else, maybe that he
3: that either he mentioned to you or you would guess it that no, is um, deeper from, sense of purpose? We've talked about it, my dad and I, before. He he sincerely loved my grandmother. He sure. did everything for her, so he he was extremely happy in his marriage. Um, she passed away and he lasted I think a year and a half and he died and it's just one of those things that whole thing like a broken heart he's left mm. without her. He did everything and I grew up with him and he was always happy. I've never seen he he's a normal dude he get upset about something like he grabbed the wrong screwdriver or something but he's just a happy dude uh, no big issues right and uh, I think his sense of purpose was my grandma I really do. I'll dig it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's one of the biggest things I've noticed um, and talked to veterans from all kinds of different uh, eras is that the finding a purpose right afterwards is critical to the betterment of your own mental health to deal with the issues that you have. Because if you don't have that purpose, then you start to, you can, I should say, spiral. And as you said, I think that's a great point to make is that not everybody was destroyed by the war right no but not everybody was coming back in really rough shape and a lot of it um i heard i read this in um uh, dave grossman's on combat was he saying that you know one of the biggest issue one of the biggest predicators was the amount of time spent with your troops on your way home right so if you you get to hang out with your boys that you just spent the last three years fighting with and you're going to be on a ship for the next three weeks while it crosses the Atlantic while you're getting home, right? Or you're going to take two weeks to go to England. and You're going to hang out in England for a while. And then you're going to like, there was a time span there that you could actually, you know, unload some of that weight, but you were with the people that you were with. And then when you got home, you could separate and it made it easier to integrate back into society. Whereas the newer wars, the stuff that we've been doing, you got, I mean, it was four days and I was back in Canada and that was it so I went from you know Afghanistan turned in all my stuff we hung out in Cyprus got drunk for 3 days and then I was home around my family and there was wasn't as much of a transition there so I think that's a part of it as well um but Tanya's got a great another So you of
1: this. so when so when you got home you you're stating all of that to indicate that you were struggling then
0: as soon as you got home I was I was struggling but i didn't know i was struggling and it was a lot of it was just false bravado and um looking back on it a lot of it was ego was just oh yeah no okay i'm good everything's good we're good it's just you know the fireworks freak me out a little bit because yeah it kind of sounds like gunshots and kind of sounds like artillery and okay whatever but i would slough it off instead of actually engaging And uh, <laughs> I had an idea. The, um, but that, I think that was the the big one was for myself when I came home. Um, I still had a lot of ego. And I hadn't actually talked to any of the boys about the stuff that we went through. We just got drunk for three days and then went home. And then we all separated because we go on post-deployment leave and stuff. So everybody... So no phalanx at all. No phalanx at all. No. Just singular dude on my own left to my own devices in my own head and it was negative in this case though have you thought
2: about like you go and do something like that do you consider like hey guys like i want to develop my feelings let's talk like every tuesday night
0: and at the time i did not now absolutely yeah, if, with the the information and the experience that I have now, I would absolutely recommend to, I would almost recommend for, I mean, the military. If you're going to send somebody overseas to do something, put them on a ship for three weeks with the crew and like send them home. Let them disseminate amongst each other. Take that time and then bring them home, mm-hmm. versus three days and then fly them home. It was uh, that that phalanx never got developed. A because I didn't do it. But also because it wasn't a developed system. Like mm-hmm. still isn't. Still isn't, exactly. So I think this is a big part of it nowadays um, that we have these understandings, we have these conversations. This is how we build the phalanx. Mm-hmm. We create pillars, perhaps even like markers on a parade, right? Look for that guy, line up next to him. Mm-hmm. And okay, we're, you're good good. I'm good. Good. And then, you know, people can line up and you show stand shoulder to shoulder with each other and say, okay, this is going to be a struggle. Let's get it. And then start marching forward, at least in my mind. Any other thoughts on that before we carry I just, on? I just want to say,
2: if you haven't noticed, I think guys like you, Seb, Sean, are, and Steve as well, are developing a phalanx already, even though it's maybe not intentional you're developing a phalanx for yourself people like such and and all those individuals that are starting to come into your life through the collective I think that's your your method of of developing a phalanx with whether it was intended or not um
1: but
0: yeah. I just want. I think go. you're right <laughs> yeah, the it sure the is di- turn that
1: way. yeah the difference being though that uh, when we started off the collective it was with an idea of just to try to help, but we had no formation in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I still don't know what the formation looks like or how big it'll be or small or how effective or not. but a guy's got to try, and that's kind of what we're doing in this month as men's mental health month is we're trying to make it better for other dudes. And if someone out there has an idea on what this formation should look like a month or 12 months from now, hit us up because we don't know ourselves. We're just trying to have open, transparent conversations about meat and potato subjects that hopefully make all of us better through the courtesy of our guests who are bringing broad and wide-ranging experiences, uh, wisdom, and opinions that are making us richer for the moment so every day over here whatever the formation eventually looks like it'll be what it's supposed to be mm. based on cool people like you guys today
0: 100 percent, i couldn't agree more <laughs> steve you yeah, got something he- you patted me on the back. Did you? Hear I think that? so. I think so. You got a pat on the back from Sean. Just a small God. one though. Live one though. That's, that's, that's intense. It's not even in the green room. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll revert that when we get back into the green room. <laughs> he cuts it out of post. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you got any points on that? No. we, current? Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so Tanya carries on with this and I, I wanted to get into this cause it's important. It says storytelling is how we disseminate that messaging. However, how do we creators do it and do it right by the people who sacrificed versus mainstream movies, books, etc., glamorizing the experience of war? And I think this is important because as anybody that has been in the military knows, 90% of it is sitting around going, what is the actual holdup? And then maybe one or 2% of it is running around with your chicken with your head cut off kind of deal. It's, there's, I can't remember the old adage. I think it's like um, 10% absolute chaos, 90% waiting around. So do any of you guys have any thoughts? How do creators who haven't either haven't been or have been through the experiences, how do they do it right? How do they create and disseminate that message without glamorizing the concept? Any thoughts?
3: You're always going to have glamorizing because if you're, If you're writing about it you're making a movie about it you're trying to make money
0: Hmm.
3: and so there's always going to be some glamorization but uh a lot of people like true documentaries because it is close to the truth of the mission that uh, that they're watching or uh, a conflict that they're watching that actually took place right Hmm. and so if you make a a movie about it in hollywood right and so you're going to have some untruths in the movie. And then when you talk to the people that were there, they're like, no, this didn't happen. No, this didn't happen. You know, they got to make the movie three hours long, right? And so we uh, we did a, a mission and it took the entire team and it took another team to get up in the woods to find this guy. And they, they kept hounding us to do these interviews. And all they wanted is a story. And so... They made it sound like one guy did all this stuff and it's just like, you know, I there's going to be always going to be glamorization of these things like that. So and the thing that I I used to work with our department on uh, a personal assistance team. So if you got in a shooting or something, right, you'd come talk to me and stuff like that. But everyone deals with things differently say a rubber stamp, that this is how we do it. This is how we deal with it because everyone's different. Like if I, if I talk to, uh, Sean about an incident, he might be totally okay with it and there's nothing wrong with it. He might just be fine where someone else might be, it might affect them greatly, you know? And so I always, I always try to look at the individual. I understand the overarching messaging because you kind of have to broad spectrum it, but the individual themselves and how they deal with something is so much more important because that's more micro than macro, you know? That's
1: a great point. Yeah. I think there's uh, to your point, pal, there are overarching themes that you can, we can all generally keep an eye on, but at the end of the day, every single human being is a unique puzzle, not to solve, but to work with and hopefully help to some degree. So uh, the storytelling part that Tanya was talking about, uh, when I first started off doing these live chats, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his wife had said, uh, if you want to, if you want to be able to help people more, just do what you've always done. Just tell a story. Stor- You're a storyteller, Sean, just tell a story, man. Don't, don't sweat the details was generally the advice that I was given. And so that's kind of what I try to do now, but The devil is in the details to Tanya's point is how not to glamorize it. Well, one, one thing that you'd said, buddy, is people do tend to glamorize things when there's money involved, but I ain't making a penny. In fact, it's costing me every time I stand in front of this microphone. And so I, I don't have any, um, intent to capitalize on this or commercialize this or commoditize this. And so you know, you'd mentioned that your family, you, you've written a book, uh, Am I Wrong? I think you'd stated that your family had put together kind of a coaching book. Is that correct? Me? Yes.
3: Oh, yeah. I wrote the, yeah. Uh, about the family uh, foundation. Right. Yeah. right.
1: And when you wrote that, you probably didn't have visions of the book paying for your new mansion. No, it, was probably, it was probably for a more righteous uh, uh, reason than uh, buy another mansion. And so that's my point is uh, if you enter into anything with the with a righteous intention, with the right vibe or the right end state of, I just want to do good for people instead of I want to make money off people, you can tell a story yeah. and do it in a cool way that doesn't come across as disingenuous or glamorizing uh, the message, mm. I think. 100%. I think in,
2: in that situation, John, you always end up, uh, even as a person like yourself, being a storyteller, if someone's telling you that, I imagine you've told a fish tale in your life. Yeah, I have. Right? Yeah. The fish was this big. I caught this massive Dude,
1: I caught a way bigger fish than you've ever caught. Right. <laughs> I,
2: my, I definitely caught a bigger fish than you before. But the, the thing there is, like, it's an actual problem, like, in our society now that we want to all be storytellers mm. in our own way. That's what, like... That's right. We look at content creation as being such a massive driver of things in our society. We have, you know, 20 year olds selling ads for products they've never used until they're at their door. Um, And everyone's glamorizing every story, every piece of content they could put on social media. Um, And it's really it comes down to integrity right it comes down to are you being honest do you use this was the fish that big and and having some integrity in in yourself to uh, be honest and, and straightforward
1: well, while I was out fishing for sharks, I actually caught the biggest shark in the world with my brand new fishing rod made by dot 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 Sigma That's International. Kind of how the world is going, man. You're right, yeah. and and uh, it's a tricky balance between you know you're involved with uh, a nutritional company. Uh, that I won't name because uh, I think they're doing great stuff, but I don't think that's our job over here to name these no. kind of things. Uh, but you're aligned with them for the right reasons, as I see it. And you're not pitching a false bill of goods just because you get some free stuff doesn't mean that you're out there pimping the wares. I don't see you doing that. And no. so there's a way to do it that's tasteful, that's that's right. But the trick is, of course, that takes time to better understand what that balance is. And at 20, you've got zero understanding of how the planet turns. So uh, you're definitely going to do it wrong.
2: Yeah. Brain's not even fully developed yet and you're making life choices. Like we were talking earlier about when like people, men, women can't talk about all these issues. If you look at like different age categories and how often people when they're younger do talk about emotions and then there's this social age gap where it becomes like there's, there's no conversations. Um, But kids, when they're younger, they talk about everything. Oh, my my dad left my mom.
0: Like. No social filter whatsoever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's, there's, and then they have to develop um, and protect themselves from themselves essentially. And they start to put these little gears in place um, that are the gears that make them themselves. And they develop that perception. But if you are misguided by somebody who doesn't have high integrity, there could be major issues. And you could think that
1: Sean did catch a bigger fish than me when he did not. (laughs) Well, I guess it's for all of us to deconstruct the
0: truth or not. The, uh, the, the interesting thing about this whole thing is the fact that, and it just kind of clicked on me, Tanya put a comment on here that it kind of clicked in my head too, but it said, uh, or, I'm thinking there's a point in time in your life, especially as men, where vulnerability becomes weakness when they're not actually the same thing. And I think a lot of it stems from, you know, when you're young and you're just talking, right? You have no filter whatsoever. You say something, somebody makes fun of you, or somebody snaps back at you, or something happens that you then are hurt by because you were being open and vulnerable in that moment and that changes your behavior too i don't want to be x i don't want to be y you know you skin your knee some kid calls you a baby well i don't want to be a baby i'm never going to cry again mm-hmm. and then that leads into vulnerability being weakness and uh, tanya said uh Brene brown defined vulnerability as the potential to be hurt Whereas weakness is inability to withstand a force or a load. And I think it's a great distinction because vulnerability is something that we're lacking as men, I think, across the board. Uh, emotional vulnerability, let me put it that way. Um, and I think it's due to the fact that we it's been seen or portrayed or kind of built into the structure of uh, society that to be vulnerable is being weak. And I think that's where uh, where we struggle. And I think once we can get that out of our mind, that being vulnerable is weak, then we'll be able to have more of these open conversations and build our own little ph- phalanx in and amongst ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, no one has called me
0: a sissy recently. so that, That's going to change. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might have to do it just because now. Um Any, uh, we're just at over over an hour right now. I know we just scratched the surface on this and that we really, there's so much more depth to all of this. Um, Anybody, any final thoughts before we shut her down and carry on uh, with shutting her down? Steve, what do you think?
3: Believe in yourself and just keep moving. There's more people out there than you think that will help you. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, All the clients that I've talked to about their own issues um i have to relay that I and mean, they know one they're coming to me right so there's one uh family's a big one but uh reach out to somebody because someone will there someone will be there to help and someone will come to you i guarantee it you're not by yourself
0: 100 percent. jake final
2: thoughts well i i just like i would really like to share my thoughts on much like what Steve just talked about. But finding what is going to make you content as a person, and really discovering that we talk about purpose a lot. um, And it's a very common conversation. But I like to use the word content in ourselves, and not allow the things around us in the world, and our perception of those things, to affect what makes us content. Because there's going to be a lot of things that are always going to be going on around you and your perception of that, your view of that thing and how it's going to affect your level of content. That perception is is the most important part because a lot of those things aren't going to affect your level of content and, and your purpose.
0: So just want to share that. I like it. Sean, any uh, final thoughts?
1: yeah in conclusion, and I'm going to try to stick to the subject of men's mental health, uh, sense of purpose. if you don't have a sense of purpose, it's that's by choice. no one no one on this planet is responsible to give you your sense of purpose. It's your job to get your sense of purpose. Once you get whatever targeted sense of purpose, If you don't have one right now, you could have one in 10 seconds. If you sit down and think real quick, what's my sense of purpose? Bam. Now you're off to the races. And as you head towards that race line, uh, you'll find people who are going to help you get there. So your sense of purpose is your responsibility will help you get to the start line. Mm.
0: I like that a lot. <clears throat> and it it goes in line with the, the concept of the phalanx to begin with is that if you're going to be in the phalanx, you have to show up prepared, right? <laughs> you bring your shield, you bring your spear, you bring your gear and you've trained your way to be able to stand on that line. And yeah, I think you bring you bring your knowledge of your why exactly. And, and some and tools and some tools. Exactly. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest part that I could try to impart, I guess, and to anybody that's struggling, especially men's mental health. Uh, Mark said it yesterday. It starts with me. right? There will be people on my left and my right to help me, but it starts here. and it always will. Um, so with that, as we learn how to better understand ourselves, as we build upon the brotherhood that is out there, we can all grow as men and as a society. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.